hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is the podcast all about slow living in a fast world. <laughs> My name is Brooke paced McCallery. World. Well, see, I go is in it, and out. Is it fast paced right now? Yes, it is. Oh. What a two speed life we're living at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's definite fast paced uh, elements, elements of life. Of see, I go in and out with the fast paced world versus fast world. Well, so, I'm anyway, a- hi, I'm Brooke. Hi. I'm Ben. <laughs> Welcome to uh, episode six of the uh, season. Now, I've just stopped numbering seasons. I'd love to know what episode overall this is. That will be interesting. Okay, so we hit, uh, we didn't actually discuss it, but we hit episode 300 earlier in the year. So wow. we're beyond 300 now. Yeah. And iTunes only allows us to show 300, our most recent 300 episodes. Okay. So if you've just discovered the podcast and you've gone back to the first one, there's probably 10, 20 episodes that, that you can no longer see. Anyway. And that's like they just disappeared forever? Um, from iTunes. They okay. exist, but iTunes for whatever reason has a maximum of 300 episodes that it will show as far as I'm aware. Right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway. Didn't plan on talking about it. Bit of housekeeping. Also, though, the thing that we didn't actually talk about at all, I think, is that we recently had our fifth podcast anniversary. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. I did not expect to say that when I started out recording myself in our office. Five years. It's so long. But I I just listened to one of my favourite podcasts, Comedy Bang Bang, and they just had their... 11th I know. Year. I'm never going to catch up to those guys, so that's 11 okay. years of podcasting. 11 years of absurdity for those guys. Like, Yeah. What a long time. So I don't think we'll be allowed around for another six years. Who knows? I hope that we as human beings will. That's certainly in my so game plan. But uh, whether we're still recording this pog pass. Maybe, what? you know what, maybe hmm. the world will have slowed down to Enough. such a point that this will be entirely irrelevant. Wouldn't that be nice? I'd like that. Yeah, that would be good. That would be really it's good. Silence says <laughs> multitudes. Let's get back onto the topic that we want to discuss or that we'd planned to discuss, pre-planned. This is a topic that I think during the recording of this season you've spoken to um, a lot of different people about different aspects of life as it is now and how it has been in quarantine, Mm -hmm. isolation and self-isolation, what that means for individuals, what that means for people that are, you know, facilitating homeschooling. Work from home, all that sort of stuff. Work from home. Like, so it's just, it's been really, really helpful for a lot of people. I hope so. It's, I've tried to make it as practical as possible and Mm. as sort of accessible to the moment as possible, Mm. which is, which is um, complex, I guess, because different places around the world are at different stages. Exactly. You know, but I've tried my best to make it as, as practical as I could. And we're going to highlight one of the stages which are a, a few countries, including Australia, um, is entering into. And you know, people are discussing it more broadly than that. But what life looks like post-COVID-19. So yeah. what... Uh, and you, you we're hearing discussions and from politicians about getting back into the normal. Yes. We had our PM um, being quoted as saying we're going to snap back in to life pre-virus. Uh-huh. And 
it got me thinking about what it looks like for us as well as what it looks like for other people to just really think about what life could look like for us post-COVID, i.e. what do we want to change? Mm. So you're kind of looking at this from there's a lot of conversation around the new normal. Yep. That's like that's everyone's yep. talking about do we want the new normal to look a lot like the old normal or if we want a real new normal, what are we going to change Yeah, how and, and, and why? That's exactly right. So do we want to re-enter life and society or do we want to reboot? Mm. It's, a good, it's a really good question. So that's, that's what we'll be discussing today. And um, without further ado, let's get into it. So in the news, we're seeing countries relaxing their pandemic controls. Yes. And they're releasing in stages, um, you know, rules and guidelines for people coming back into society. Things like, at what are we at the moment? Where Are we stage one at the moment where we're coming back into society? Where we will, yeah, we will, we be, will be shortly. Yeah. Which so, is like, so to give an indication of what stage one, I guess, means in Australia, it's going to look kind of slightly different around the country, but that's schools are going back mm-hmm. in a staged approach. Yeah. They're talking about having cafes and restaurants starting to reopen with maximum of 10 customers outdoors. So, you know, that I don't know that many places will find that particularly useful. So things like gyms and libraries and stuff in our state will not be reopening at this point. And then they're talking about maybe in a month's time revisiting all of that. But how confusing is it, right? So we're in New South Wales and we have different rules to Queensland and Victoria. Yeah. And Western Australia and South Australia, it's very, very, it seems to me, it feels very confusing. I mean, it it is confusing uh, to me as well. I think that the reason that in Australia, at least, we've got different restrictions is based on the cases that we have. You know, Australia has been very fortunate, I think, and has done a very good job of managing the the pandemic as well. But there was, we were also very fortunate, Mm. um, being an island nation and all, Mm. uh, that our cases are like relatively low in comparison to other parts of the world yeah. and state by state there are some states like WA and South Australia that are really low like down mm. to no active cases yeah. whereas New South Wales is a little different mm. but it is confusing you know it, it's confusing it's also confusing because it's constantly asking us to i guess weigh up people over economics mm. That's really what it, and I get it. I get that it's very complex. I would not want to be the people making these decisions. So this is not um, having a go at all. But that's essentially what we're being asked to do by making these choices and the way we behave and the things that we go and support and the things that we continue to stay away from. It's people or profit over people Mm. more so. And that's where the attention has turned to now from a political viewpoint that's where where the media are reporting at the moment and they're looking at the economics of it mm. how much debt we've entered into how much debt we're willing to to take on and support businesses and individuals through no doubt really hard times in the coming months yep. but what time at what stage is that tap going to be turned off i don't want to really 
talk about the economics of it no. all because it's going to be really, I mean, it, like you said, it's it's a really hard place to enter into opinion because we, there's still so many unknowns and it, and it would be a, a really, really hard job to do that. But I wanted to just instead look at the mindset of and, and talk about the mindset of us and what you feel like as we either re-enter mm. into broader society or reboot the way we look at things. And I think it's only natural to want to go back to living as we did in the past because we were comfortable, we enjoyed these various things, whatever they could be, like, I don't know, sport, playing sport, going to the gym, not that we do you know what I mean? So there's mm. elements that people will just want to do because they've missed them. Then there's elements that have always been in the back of the head of like, I'd wish I could change that. Mm-hmm. I wish I could think about that differently. I, I feel like I need a hard reset. And so I think I, now we've got that opportunity to have a hard reset on some things. And I'll be really interested to hear from you what you'd like to see change in terms of a reboot yeah i mean that's like how long's a piece of string kind of question because i'd love to see the world operate in a completely different way i think i was listening to a a live uh, podcast recording this morning with uh the people the good people of dumbo feather mm. uh so um barry 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 lieberman and damon gamow was her guest and Damon, for those of you who haven't seen it, is the he was the creator, I guess, of the film, the documentary 2040, which we have spoken about a lot over the last sort of nine months or so. Uh, and and he spoke about pretty much your question. He said you can either talk about this issue through the lens of fear, through the lens of loss, through the lens of hardship, or you can talk about it through the lens of what do we gain what do we get more of? What you know? What what benefits lie on the other side of these this reboot? And his tool, and I thought it was really powerful, was using our own personal vision. So I've never been one to vision board. I think it's a very powerful tool, but I've just literally never done it. Mm-hmm. This is sort of our opportunity, and I'd love everyone listening to spend a bit of time over the next few days imagining their vision of the future that we're now in, in, we have a potential to create. Mm. What do you want that to look like? Mm. You know, so it's great for me to talk about what I'd like that to look like, but I want everyone who is wrestling with this same kind of question to ask themselves that question. What do I want this future to look like? If there's been something that you have really appreciated or spent more time with in lockdown or in isolation, and that you, you're really sad about it potentially going, what is that? Why is that the thing that you really want more of? You know, what is it about spending time with your family? What is it about spending more time creating or spending more time in the garden or whatever it might be? And you know, you've got that zing mm. in, your, in your gut yep. that's telling you. What is it about that? And then what can we do? How can we start to restructure our lives going forward, starting today, mm. to bring a little more of that to the centre. And, I mean, so I'm thinking about things like the kids' um, after-school activities, mm-hmm. right? So our kids will go back to school one day a week as of uh, this week. Yeah. 
and all things being equal, they will be back full time at the end of this term, by the end of this term. By the end of May. Well, whatever, yeah. it keeps changing. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm assuming that those extracurricular activities that have all been obviously cancelled for the last 10 Two weeks, months, yeah, yeah, will start to slowly be mm-hmm. reinstated. They yeah. They will. I don't want our kids to do as many activities as they were. Like that sort of thing. I've really appreciated the time spent at home just pottering. Like, I don't know if you can hear them. The kids are out on the trampoline now. They've been playing some kind of Star Wars game for like two hours. Yeah. And I want more of that. And like I said, our kids actually didn't do, it wasn't five days a week, each child at a different thing. It was like two, sometimes three, depending on time of the year. I remember when they were younger, we had a, we used to, we said it quite a few times on the podcast, we would only let our kids do like one extra curriculum. Yeah, one plus swimming. (laughs) Plus swimming, do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And it's sort of like those extracurricular activities sort of ate into the week, didn't they? Because well, they you did. Were, I mean, they, we wanted to encourage them because yeah. they were really, like, interested in them, but it got, it, it went too far. They went too far. I mean, they didn't even feel too far at the time, but just now having really been forced to stop at home for a couple of months, I know this won't be relevant to everyone and I know it won't resonate to everyone, but I'm feeling a certain amount of sadness at the thought of things going back too busy. Mm. I really am. I'm kind of struggling a bit with that because I've I've really enjoyed the opportunity to to dig into home life a bit more. And like I said, I know that's not going to be relevant or resonate with everyone, uh, but it doesn't make it not true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I have had conversations with a number of people who feel much the same. And it's not that I want things to remain hard for people at all and it's not that I want the kids to stay at home from school, although, I mean, if they both said to me I want to be homeschooled as a result of this, I'd be like, okay. But I can say that knowing that they're not going to say that. That's not actually on the cards. So I can sound very brave. (laughs) I can sound brave in that choice. Yeah. One of the things I think I've spent a huge amount of time thinking about is community Mm. and developing resilient communities. So, And this is going to remain relevant beyond lockdown, even if most of the restrictions lift, because people are in for a hard time. Economically speaking, I mean, we're just going to see lots of job losses. We're going to see a lot of people losing hours, losing income, uh, a lot of underemployment as well as unemployment. And that won't happen until the next six to 12 months. You know, and it's, it is like it's coming and it, it, I don't know that there's much we can do mm. to stop it, but there are things that we can do to start developing resilient communities. So I've found myself thinking a huge amount about like our town has a crop swap, which obviously hasn't been running at the moment. So to me, that's a one really great example of communities coming together and sharing you know, excess fruit and vegetables and stuff that you make at home. I know that a number of communities have been installing like little pantries in their community and our school has just started doing something like this. So anyone who is able to donates a bit of excess food, you know, you're at the shops, you buy a few extra things, you pop it in in the pantry and anyone in the community who is in need who finds themselves just having a just a really rough week or a rough month and can't quite get there making those ends meet is free to come and take what they need. You know, I love that idea. I love, you know, having the opportunity for people to gather and share and commune, you know, without any money changing hands, without any um, requirement other than 
a desire to turn up for each other. I feel like there's something really important there and I'd love to see that. Uh, one of the other things that I've, I've noticed a lot is people being, at least in our community, out walking more and saying hello to each other more. And, uh, you know, the national parks are all kind of closed and people are really antsy for them to reopen. So this love of being outdoors and mm. active and nature and, and connecting with each other as well, I really want to see that continue. And my fear, I guess, is that as the busyness sinks its claws back in and we're told that we need to get busy for the economy, we need to spend for the economy, that really scares me. Yeah. It really does because it's pushing people back into the busyness that I know a lot of us have not missed at all, but also back into the consumption, which if we're looking at like the environment, it's that that's disastrous, you know. So learning, I guess, how to be happy with less, how to encourage communities to see what they have as more by living with less, if that makes sense. How's your mindset reboot though? How are you rebooting your mindset? Is it that you're, as you're in lockdown, you've seen what you want the new normal to look like for you and your place in that new normal? I'm just interested because like what I've done is I've almost, I've got like a, a sheet which I've divided into two where it's like these are the aspects I just want to re-enter back into society and these are the aspects that I want to reboot. Mm. And how are you prioritising it? If I'm being 100% honest, I'm not at the moment. I think so I'm writing my book. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it. <laughs> this is the podcast documenting you writing the book. Oh, uh, and, you know, we're surrounded by my wild chicken scratching yeah. mind maps at the moment. Uh, but that book and what it sort of talks about, and that was not purposeful obviously when I pitched it back mm-hmm. in last year, but what it's becoming mm is very um, relevant to that question and I'm trying to work through it. I feel like I feel like my brain's split in about three different parts and mm. one part of my brain lives in the world that I pitched the book in, which doesn't, it's, doesn't, like, exist, doesn't anymore. exist anymore, you know, but neither does yesterday. So mm. um, one part of my brain exists in the now and the other part is really trying to work out what the world will look like when the book is published. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I'm finding it, I can't answer that question very easily because there's so many things that I'm writing about in the book that I genuinely want to see feature in this new world, this tomorrow, this thing that we're in the position of being able to create because they're all simple. They're all really accessible. And that's the whole point of the book. Everything in it is accessible to everyone. Um, you know, not based on income, not based on geography, not based on circumstance. And they all have proven ability to not only change our personal life, you know, our well-being, our happiness, our physical health, but the flow-on effects of all of them are such that they will make the world a better place if we let them. So my mindset is very much in that at the moment and I'm trying I'm trying really hard to be um as aware of the differences that people are going to be facing you know when when the book comes out and and just because we're all different while also wanting to make changes in my own life and it's 
proving a challenge. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you think that once people go back in that first wave of being able to do virtually what people want to do, you know, you can't at the moment you can't do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. um, or whatever you feel like, uh, but you know, there'll become a time when that, those social restrictions just open up quite broadly and life will go back to normal inverted commas. Relative normal, yeah. So do you think there'll be a backlash against anything slow as, oh, no, that's what you did in corona? Maybe. You know what, I think that it will actually be, if there is, I think it will actually be maybe more because there's a seed of truth in it. You know, there was a seed mm. of something really powerful in it and it was the it it was so far away from the norm that it was very uncomfortable like it was def- it was definitely not the status quo and for people to go oh there's something really really attractive there that i want to pursue but nothing in my life is is um structured in a way that i can you know that might be where the backlash comes from it's like here's this idea that's very engaging and magnetic and I can't do anything with it right now because all of my expectations and shoulds and social structures have me over on this side of the road. But really I can't stop looking at that. So I think when we find something like that, something that has truth to it, that is very different to the way we're living, we often get defensive. You know, and may so maybe there will be that backlash I'm sure there will be people who will be like I don't want to ever slow down again that sucked I was bored you know and that's also completely valid valid and relevant it is valiant it is very good it's interesting because it's almost like if you this time gives you the change to go back into society and change the way you want to go about things and so for people listening many of them are going to have the opportunity to go back and reboot do you think so, though? Well, uh, I think our listeners are a smart smart bunch. They are, they are a smart bunch. And I think this opportunity, and we were discussing before this, it was like I will miss a lot about the social isolation mm. and the, the way our family has come together mm-hmm. and grown as a result of it and things just like, just being more creative at home. I've used my hands and built a few different things that mm-hmm. I didn't think I could. You know, there's those aspects that I really, you know, have appreciated and I will try and keep going or reboot into my normal life post-coronavirus. But I think there's just an opportunity to realise those things now and to be able to set it set you know, changes and change the way where we, we live to adopt some of those things back in when we when we go into broader society. Yeah. So and it's about recognizing them though. That's what I'm trying to right. try to identify is is there a task that people can do to try and identify what's really worked in, in these times? Um that's a it's a good question. I think that certainly sitting down with either journaling or mind mapping this stuff out is a good place to start, I think. You know, I think our tendency is when we see something being difficult that we're like we look for the reasons why we can't make mm. changes. So when yeah. I responded, and I, I'm guilty of it too, I just did it to you, when I said that, you know, can we really though, can we really change it? I was thinking about people who 
will be or already are expected to be back in the workplace. Mm-hmm. There's no opportunity for them to work from home yep. or to change their hours or their, you know, their, their situation in that regard. Very, very true. So that's what I immediately very thought true. of. Yeah. It's going to be very relevant for a lot of people listening. Yeah. But that is not the only part of our lives that, you know, that impacts the way that we live and the way that we feel in our lives. So let's say you truly don't have the option if you're going to stay in the same role, doing the same job of remote working or of changing your work hours or situation at all. Fine, put that in the new normal basket because that will continue to be your normal. But look at everything else. Nothing Mm. else. There is not much else that's set in stone. Obviously, you've got school if you've got kids or care arrangements if you've got kids. Uh, If you've got parents that you're caring for or, you know, you're in a caring position, that's something that you can't really shift. That's also fine. Put that in the basket of the new normal. Then look at what's left. Like there's a lot of space left in our days and in our months and in our years that are not those things. So what outside of those areas of your life has felt different, has given you that little zing of, oh, I like this, Mm. even if you don't feel like you can say it. So things like self-care. Yeah. Hobbies. Hobbies are a big one. Even you just hopes and dreams or goals can can change significantly. I think about how our mentality will shift uh, to travel and holidaying. Exactly what I was just about to say. Like you think about the discussions we've had about that and we love it. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the things that we, we devoted all our money and energy into is creating these holiday experiences. And I mean, we went over to America and Canada for 18 months recently. Do you know what I mean? So it's something that we've always dreamed and worked towards. Mm-hmm. But that is going to shift dramatically. Yeah. And it is shifting dramatically. Because I don't, I don't see that international travel, particularly for us in Australia, is, is even a remote possibility for probably another year and a half. And think, even then, is that going to be something that I want to do? Exactly. I'm just trying to think that, you know, it is a for, it's forced upon us at the moment. Yeah. But taking that away... I think it still shifts dramatically our mindset. Because I can't unsee the difference in things like air pollution. I can't unsee it. And a lot of that is down to obviously less traffic on the roads, but also a hell of a lot less people and stuff being flown around the world. I can't unsee that. I'm not saying that I'll never travel again, I'll never get in a plane again. Who knows what that's going to look like. But it's very um, difficult to forget that very real visual representation of what each of us deciding to buy stuff from overseas or to travel overseas regularly or to pop on a plane in Sydney to Melbourne a couple of times a month, you know, they all have a, they've all had a very real impact on the environment. And we're seeing that because it's no longer, in a, it's no longer apparent, you know. So I, I think that if anything, maybe this is really a call to recalibrate what success looks like too. Oh. You're thinking about it, you know. uh, We've been through this and continue to go through this process, I guess, of chipping away at society's expectations of success, you know, that started 10 years ago when we started decluttering, Mm. you know, and and began to see that happiness. To be the best declutterer that ever was. (laughs) Exactly. I couldn't, I still tied success to this, you know, attempt at removing success. Yeah. Yeah. 
and we've since then been gradually just removing layer upon layer of these ideas of what success is while still holding very firmly to one vision of what success was for us, which was to be able to travel and to have really kind of big adventures. Mm. Nothing wrong with any of that. Mm. But if you sort of stretch that idea out globally of a significant percentage of, um, of people, at least people who are in the privileged position of having of asking those questions, what is success to me now when all of these things are no longer available? It could be that we realise that so much of what was success to us was simply excess, you know? It's like going camping. You live with a trailer full of stuff or, a, you know, a boot full of stuff for a couple of weeks. You sleep in your clothes and you wear the same thing for four days in a row. And you're as happy as you've ever been. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and again, I know that saying this is very privileged because there's a lot of people who <laughs> they had little and they've lost it. I, you know, this this is going out to the people who aren't in that situation. This is a call to those of us who have the position and the privilege to choose differently, to consider choosing differently. 100% agree with that. I didn't want to get political, but I will just mention this. What this uh, crisis has shown me is how fast governments can move mm-hmm. when they're forced to. Mm-hmm. And when they choose to. And quick and how quickly they can do it. Yeah. And efficiently and effectively they can do it. Yeah. I find a bit of empowerment from that in that if well where I hopefully will gain, you know, deem myself successful is to put myself into situations where we can enact bigger change. Mm-hmm. And uh and to do that is to is to advocate for issues and do it in a in a very public way and I won't be afraid to do that because I feel like if there's big enough voice and there's effective reasons on the table government can't ignore you and yeah. they you know the the excuses just the, the the excuses of the past just they don't they have no place in the new normal. Do you know what I mean? No, they don't. You're you're right, but they will find a place if we don't speak up, right? All That's of a I'm sudden, saying. we That's have a saying. government yeah. that is listening to the science. How wonderful! How amazing that they are listening on the whole, in general, to the science while also doing something that I couldn't couldn't imagine the complexity of it and they have said it time and time again we are listening to the science now if we and we will shift this conversation nationally globally back to the climate crisis sooner rather than later are we going to let or the homelessness crisis yes or welfare so exactly yep yeah, exactly. I'm not getting into the specific because yeah. that's a very Australian kind of conversation, Australian-centric conversation, but we have seen positive change and positive social policy enacted really quickly in a very powerful really well. way. Yes, really exactly. Well. Um, and are we going to allow it to be rolled back? Are we going to allow the conversation to shift back to, well, the scientists aren't quite clear or it's not entirely unanimous. Nothing's unanimous. And we've, we've discovered that in this crisis. Yeah. 
So I think that you're right. I, I think that we are in a, as individual people and as a community of people who care, we're in a position where, yes, we can use our voices, but we need to make sure we use them to the best of effect, you know. I think that you're right. There's a really uncharted territory at the moment. Um, and I think that I know I certainly feel a sense of hope that there is going to be a lot of people, probably not even a majority, but a lot of people who are reconsidering life and what is important and how they are living and the impact that is having on themselves, their well-being, their mental health, that of their families, that of their neighbours and their communities. Mm. And if there's enough of those people, even in a minority, and we get loud, I really think that given the conversations we were having pre-pandemic, we're not that far from making a big impact. I agree. On a number of different fronts. Yep. You know, but I think people need to not be afraid. Mm. And this is the thing, right? The internet's such a crappy place. At the moment, like the amount. How do you mean? What do you mean? The disinformation. Oh, of course. The yeah, yeah. divisions, yeah. the, that the was tribalism. Around, that oh, was no, around before. Totally. Yeah. It's just um, I feel like it's people are people are confused, yeah. you know, and I understand why. Mm. I've certainly felt confused a lot over the last mm. couple of months. And that is very rich ground for sowing seeds of disinformation yeah, and fear and and division and all those other things. I think that's where having conversations with real people comes into it, isn't it? That's where community, to circle back to what kind of my biggest hope and change in this rebooted world could be, is community. Because in in those situations, when you're sitting down with a group of people, when you're looking at someone face-to-face, and you can disagree on something vehemently, but you're in a position to say, okay, let's agree on what we agree on. You can't do that on the internet. You can't. It's it's anonymous. I mean, even if people are putting their faces to it and, and most people show up in good faith with goodwill, there's a lot who don't and a lot of people who just love stirring the pot for the sake of it. It's a lot harder to do that face-to-face. So... By all means, let's have an, a, a very enthusiastic conversation about why we disagree on this thing. But first, let's agree on what we want. Do we want access to food and water? Do we want security and safety for our families? Do we want to live in a place where we're able to have conversations with each other without fear of retribution or arrest or whatever? You know, let's agree on all of these things. And it's so hard to scream into the void at this person once you've seen them as a human being who has a lot more in common with you than not. So maybe that's it. Maybe that's my big takeaway from all of this is people. Mm. It's really interesting because, I mean, I'm so introverted that I'm like I'm not mad about having to stay at home a lot. But I never have been. Yeah. So... But, but at the same time, I have recognised the hole in my life that is other people and that's been nice for me and important for me to see because otherwise I think for people like me who get around in their head a lot, it's really easy to go, well, I can just kind of get through in my own little world. That's fine, you know, 
make that inner world a nice place, then use that for good outside. So this is the reboot mentality that I wanted to and that we have been talking about but I wanted to communicate to listeners. And it just gives us the opportunity now before we re-enter, we choose to re-enter broader society, we're going to shed our baggage, shed what we, any hang-ups we had pre-virus, shed those and, you know, think yourself as an introvert but shed it. You know, that doesn't matter. Mm. What's the priority now? Realign those priorities. Align them with things that relate back to your values, relate back to, and we spoke about it before, what success looks like from now on and realign those priorities to that success. And it's overall just rebooting our mentality. Yeah. I wonder whether or not it would be helpful to put together like a list of journal prompts or something like that for people. Good idea. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll do that. <laughs> um, just workshopping just, in the Yeah, you know, exactly. The this is this is live, live inside my head. I feel like that might be helpful. I do. It gives people a head start because, you know, I don't want what, what, I'm, what I fear, my greatest fear is that we will come out of this with most people just wanting to re-enter and do the same things we've done. Forget about it, yeah. And put it behind us and go, thank God COVID's out of the way. Yeah, now, now can... let's rebuild the economy by buying heaps of crap. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's Which I'm not saying, and our listeners, as I said, are, are smarter than that, but this just gives them the opportunity to start thinking about it yeah, right I mean, now. In because a now's the time sense. to think about it. Yeah, and I think the other thing to, to recognise is that this will quite possibly, I know it certainly is for me already and I know it will be going forward, will be a bumpy ride even just internally, you know, how you feel about life beyond lockdown and as we deal with, you know, whatever is whatever happens with the coronavirus on the other side of lockdown and then whatever happens economically and globally and all of these other unknown things, just remember that you can't control the vast majority of that. We can't control the vast majority of anything. We can control our response. We can control uh, the amount of space we give ourselves in order to make sure we respond rather than just react. You know, that's something that we can do. So I do think that you touched on the word self-care. I do think that that's really important for people to prioritize as we shift into whatever this next stage is and whatever challenges it brings because there will be to really spend some time asking yourself what what can I do that will give me that space that will give me that buffer that will allow me to not just react but to stop and breathe and respond because what happens is out of our control typically but our response is not. So, yeah, I wish I could. I wish I could just give you my book right now because I have a lot to say <laughs> about that in it. <laughs> the teaser, the ultimate teaser. Oh, it's just because I'm like I'm I'm there. I'm in the writing of it at the moment mm. too. Mm. Um, can you see the end of the book? Yeah, not yet. No. But I can see the end of the process, the end of the tunnel, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I've got you like know, a chapter you know and a half. how it ends, like in well, your head. <laughs> yeah. Do you no. know what I mean? Do you, like, okay, you're Stephen Kinging it then. I always have. Yeah. I always have. Yeah. 
Um, and I'm not writing fiction either. Mm. Yeah, no. So I've interestingly, I've got like a chapter, an actual body chapter to go, and then the kind of final chapter, and then I need to rewrite the introduction. Um, so I often do that. I leave the top and tail to the end because the book emerges as I write it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Particularly this one. Anyway, I'm not going back into that. Did I mention I was writing a book? So I wanted to just end this conversation with a prompt to our listeners. Mm -hmm. With everything on the table, where do you want to re-enter? Where do you want to reboot your life? That's the question. I think I will put together some prompts, including that one. Uh, maybe a few sort of smaller questions to build up. To yeah, that. yeah. Uh, and I also want to include a link to that Dumbo Feather podcast if I can find it. It was a live Zoom recording, but if they've put some of it out um, for like general consumption, I will link to it because it was a really good chat, actually. I got a lot out of it. And there's also a chat coming out with Dr. Anne Anna Rubenstein. Rubenstein. Yeah, so there's been a couple already. I'll link to those as well because Anna yeah. is... Um, friend of the show. We've friend friend I interviewed show. him way back in 2000 and... Ah, oh. <laughs> uh, yes. How old's the show? Five years. Five wow. Years. Thanks for joining us. We'll, uh, we'll see you again next week. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.